Today we're starting a new series called The Stories That Shape Us. And what we're going to be doing in in the weeks leading up to Easter is we're going to be looking at the stories that Jesus told. They're called parables. And Jesus often taught through parables, which are short stories that, that teach the difference between God's kingdom and our earthly kingdom and God's principles, what it means to be a disciple of Christ versus what it means to live in, with earthly principles. And so Jesus taught in parables, and so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at different parables. And the ones that we're going to look at are, are mostly, there, there's many different parables. There's a lot that are about the kingdom of heaven and how it's different from the kingdom of earth. But the ones we're going to be looking at are the ones that talk about who we are and who we're called to be. So the stories that shape us. My prayer is that in the weeks leading up to Easter, as we look at these stories, as we, as we, are, as we learn from Jesus, from these parables, my prayer is that we will be shaped into who God created us and calls us to be. And so today we start with these parables. Um, these parables were typically short and they usually were a comparison, as I said, to, from God's kingdom to our kingdom. And, and the answers today that Jesus gives pretty much the, the gist of it in the parable but, but it's, these parables weren't always things that gave you all the answers. They were things that were meant to be told to the hearers in their context so that they could engage with the truth of it and they could think about it and learn from it. And so I, I know that maybe I'm going to do my best to help us understand the context of these parables. But, but let's just pray that, and, and really, I want to ask you, to engage in these parables, not just as you listen to me, um, but as when you go home each day of the week. So how many of you grabbed one of these journals on the way in? Nice little journal with, a, with our logo on it. This is a big part of what we're doing, okay? So this is what I want you to do. If you did not grab one of these, and, and let me clarify this, if you will use this, we didn't buy enough for every person because we know that some people won't use them. If you will not use a journal, you are free to not grab one. But if you think that you will follow along with us and you will use this, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to write something down. And so either go grab one of these. You are right now, you're welcome to get up. There's some in the back. There's some down here across the altars. Just get up and come grab one if you don't have it. Everybody needs to have something that they can write on, write with, um, if, if it's one of these, great. This is our gift to you so that through this season of Lent leading up to Easter, as we hear from Jesus, we can learn and we can journal and we can respond through this. So everyone go ahead and grab one. And, and over the next weeks, this is how we're gonna use this. At, and here, we are going to respond through this. At the end of the message today, I'm gonna give you the opportunity just to write down what God is speaking to you. Through the message, you're welcome to take notes. These pages are blank. And and then when you go home through this week, I want you to continue to just be in prayer, be studying, and write down what God is saying to you, how God is leading you. So take this journal out, and and I wanna start by talking a little bit about report cards. I brought props today. This is gonna be kind of fun. <laughs> I brought two report cards. So um, how many of your mothers saved all of your report cards growing up? Anyone else? 
Yeah, uh, so we just moved into my parents' house about a year ago, and I found this box that just had all of my old report cards, some of my papers, some of my grades, the awards I got. So I'm going to share with you some of the fun stuff from growing up. Here's two of my report cards. These are from Hume Fogg Academic Magnet. This is where I went to high school. I'll start with uh, the first one, 1997-98 school year. So this would have been my freshman year of high school at Hume Fogg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you my grades. You're, get, you're getting a lot of access here. Teens, listen to me. Nothing in here gives you license to behave like me, okay? I was not always the best student and I am not condoning and none of us are condoning not being a good student. But I wanted to share with you my report card. So here we go. <laughs> this, this first one's just gonna be fun right out of the gate. Orchestra. For the first semester, I made a 94. It's pretty good, I took orchestra. English two, I made a 79. Not so great. Spanish three, I made a 78. You know what this means? I'm almost at go as good at Spanish as I am at English is what that means. 78. World history, I made an 82. Algebra two, I made an 87. Chemistry one, I made a 74. The next um, this is actually the fourth grading period. I made a 59 in chemistry, that one. I want to read you the comments on the side. I, I, I just want you to hear my report card from high school. Displays inconsistent effort, fails to do homework assignments. Makes low grades on major tests, should prepare more for tests. All right, so that's, that's the bad report card, okay? That's the bad one. Let me share with you a better one. 99, 2000, this was my senior year. So I think at this point, I had figured out that I was getting out of there. I was doing a little bit better. And so here we go. Um, astronomy, I had an 88. PE, what do you think I made in PE? I made 100. You know why I made 100? Not because everybody does, because the basketball coach, which I was on the basketball team, was the PE teacher, and so he just gave us all hundreds. I, I'm sure that I was not a pleasure to have in class. English four, I made a 92. I got better at English, that's good. Advanced placement statistics, 97. That was a good semester. Art two, 87, and general music. I took a really tough Tough caseload. I mean, this was, this was a tough year, right? I, I made a 91. And this one actually says, is a pleasure to have in class. <laughs> you know what that is? That, that's that I knew I was graduating and I, I was a lot nicer that year, I guess. So those are my report cards. So this is what I want you to be thinking about as I continue to talk here. I want you to take your book, your journal, or I want you, if you don't have a journal, to take a piece of paper out of the chair in front of you and grab a pen, or if you would rather do it digitally, take your phone and go to the notes section on your phone. I want everyone to participate in this next thing we're gonna do. What I want you to be thinking about is if, you're, if you had to give a grade, if you had to give a report card for your spiritual life, for your faith, what would you give it? So 100, let me just give you the scale. 100 would be you are absolutely perfect. You have never messed up. You have never sinned. You have been perfect your whole life. That's 100. Okay, zero, I don't even know what it would be. But I want you to be thinking about your spiritual walk and give yourself a grade. Be honest with yourself. This isn't to share with anyone else. This is, this is for you. Be honest. What grade would you get 
on your spiritual report card. I'm gonna share some more fun stuff with you because it's not just about academics and I found a lot more than just report cards. So uh, here, this is fun, math Olympiads. I don't even remember what math Olympiads was, but apparently I was in it. This is the one I'm most proud of and I'm gonna wear some of these because to be honest with you, I got these medals and I never wore them other than like when they gave them to me for a few minutes. So this is 1995 Youth-Arama All-Star. So we had, Youth-Arama is like our blast where we would go and we would compete against teens from other Nazarene churches across, this was Southwest Texas, or no, this was Tennessee, Tennessee District, uh, across the Tennessee District, and we had a basketball tournament in 1995. I was an All-Star. I'm gonna wear this. This is fun. This one, this is a good one. First place in the optimist oratorical contest, a speaking contest. Let me tell you what happened here. My dad wrote me a really good message and I won with it. That's what happened. It wasn't me, it was him, I promise. This one's kind of fun. How many of you know what caravans is? All right, caravans is like the Nazarene version of Boy Scouts, okay? This is, we, we used to come to church on Wednesday night and we would go through classes and you would earn your badges and you would get your caravan scarf filled up. This was my scarf. I, I can't fit it anymore, so I'm not gonna put it on. This one, now this is a sacred thing in the church. This is the Phineas F. Brazil Award. This was the ultimate achievement of caravan. Phineas F. Brzee is known as the founder or one of the founders of the Church of the Nazarene. So this was the highest achievement. So I share all this with you not to brag because there's really not a lot to brag about right here. Not to brag, but I want you to be thinking about your spiritual report card. I want you to be thinking about the things in your life that are spiritual accomplishments, markers for you. And I want you to write them down and then let's look at the parable that Jesus shares. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I, I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we're introduced to two characters here, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And we see them come before, both of them are coming to the temple to pray. Both of them are doing something good. They're praying. Praying's a good thing, Right? The Pharisee's prayer is all about, so I showed you some of my, I'm going to kind of clang around today, okay, that's just a reminder of how awesome I am. Um, the, the Pharisee came up and he basically said, if I could paraphrase, God, thank you for all of this that I have because of you. Thank you for allowing me to be so great. 
for my good grade on my spiritual report card, for my achievements, for my medals. Thank you, God, that I'm not like those other messed up people, but that you have done things in my life. And then he goes on and he starts listing his spiritual resume. I I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I have. He tithes. So this guy is sharing his, his goodness, his righteousness. And we have this tax collector who's sitting at a distance and he can't even look up towards heaven. And he physically is beating his breast and crying out, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. So let's start. And you might want to write this question down. This is the question we're going to ask ourselves today. You don't have to write it down, but it's a good thing to write down. The question that we're going to talk about, the question that this parable talks about is this. What will save you? What will justify you before God? So let's just think, what grade do I have to get on my spiritual report card? What do I have to accomplish in order to be saved or justified by God? That's what this parable deals with. So let's, uh, let's look at verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. The people that Jesus is talking to, I want you to remember this because we need to know the audience so that we will know who he's speaking to and what he's saying. It says these were people who were confident in their own righteousness, what they had accomplished, what they had done, how good they were, and they looked down on everyone else. And Jesus told this parable. And, and we see the Pharisee and we see the tax collector. Now, I, I need to give a little bit of context because I personally, and I think all of us, probably when we hear the words Pharisee and tax collector, we have preconceived, or maybe not preconceived, but taught notions about Pharisees and tax collectors. I think that we view Pharisees as, I don't think, I know that we view Pharisees in a much worse light than the people that would have been hearing Jesus' story. See, Pharisees, they weren't the scum of the earth. Pharisees were actually religious people. In fact, they were known as the experts on God's law. They had given their life to know God's law and to be experts in the law. That's not a bad thing, is it? Pharisees were experts in God's law. In addition to that, they were faithful and obedient to God's law. If it was in God's law, they tried to do it to the best of their ability. So, so when these people that were, when the people that Jesus is speaking to, and remember that we're talking about people who are confident in their own spiritual report card, their own righteousness, when these people are hearing a Pharisee came to pray, they're because we've heard, read scripture and heard sermons, we understand that the Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. But in this day, these people would have thought, this is a good guy. This is a really good guy. Tax collector. I think that, that we don't view tax collectors anywhere near as badly as people that we're hearing Jesus' story do, does. So, so let me tell you about tax collectors. The Jewish people were being oppressed by the Roman government. So the Jewish people are being oppressed by the Roman government. So tax collectors were Jewish people 
that worked for the Roman government to tax their own people. And let me tell you why this is even worse. Because the way this worked was the tax collector had to pay a certain amount to the Roman government and anything that they took in above that amount, they got to put in their pocket and get rich off of. And these tax collectors had the power, they had the authority of the Roman government behind them. So these guys are traitors. They're taxing their own people. Not only are they taxing them, they're overtaxing them. They're, they're brutally overtaxing their own people. They're stealing from their own Jewish people just so they can get rich. So not only are they supporting the oppressive regime, but they personally are sucking the riches out of the Jewish people and putting them into their own pockets. Can you imagine what these people feel like? What these people are thinking that Jesus is telling the story to? This week, I, I, had, I had a lot of money stolen out of my bank account. Somebody hacked one of my accounts and stole thousands of dollars. This is what, I mean, the way I think about that person, I don't know who they are, but the way I think about them is what these people would have been thinking about when, when Jesus said, a tax collector. That's what we're talking about here. And so we're introduced to these two men, and, and I want us to look a little bit deeper into the story. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. This Pharisee had a lot of this, and a lot of this, sorry Phineas, and, and a really good report card. This Pharisee is standing before God and saying, thank you God that you have produced in me all of this. Thank you God. He's, this doesn't seem like a terrible thing, does it? He's thanking God for what God has done in his life. He's not saying, God, I don't need you. God, I'm better than you. He's saying, thank you, God, for the righteousness, for the good things that you have done in my life, who you've made me to be. So he's thanking God for his own righteousness. The Pharisee, the first thing we see is the Pharisee credits God with who he's become. The second thing we see is that the Pharisee lives a morally pure life. Look at what it says. I'm not like those robbers. I'm not like those evildoers. I'm not like those adulterers. The Pharisee lives morally pure. This isn't a scum of the earth, murderer, uh, thief, hateful person. This is a guy who lives obediently to the law. And so number two, the Pharisee is morally Pure. Number three, the Pharisee lives a religiously faithful life. He says, I give, I fast twice a week. I give tithe on everything I get. This guy not only is good morally, but he does all the right things religiously. So when we talk about this Pharisee, we think in our head, Pharisee, bad guy, but what the readers are hearing is a guy who's actually a kind of a model religious guy. He's an expert in the law. He behaves the right way. He does the religious right things. And so the Pharisee has a bunch of great things, medals, 
a Pharisee has a pretty strong spiritual report card score. In fact, I, I, I would say if we were grading this Pharisee on what we know about him, of his spiritual report card, I don't know what grade you gave yourself. I would say this guy earns probably a B plus or an A minus. Like he's, he's a pretty good dude, pretty religious. He seems like he's not that bad of a guy at all. Then, then we look at the tax collector, verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, the tax collector. I mean, you, I read you two report cards. One was pretty decent from my last year, but the first one was pretty bad. This tax collector was much worse than our worst report card. He was so bad that he couldn't even look to God. And so three things we know about the tax collector. Number one, he was completely unworthy and he knew it. He knew that he was completely unworthy of God's grace and God's love. Number two, the tax collector was completely broken and cried out to God. He literally was hitting himself in the chest saying, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. This isn't someone who's just passing by the temple, like thinking he's pretty good, but he just needs a little bit of help from God. This is someone who is distraught about how horrible of a person he's been. Number three, the tax collector begged for God's mercy. He begged for God's mercy. Why did he beg for God's mercy? It's not because he was okay and he just needed a little help. He begged for God's mercy because he knew that if he didn't get the mercy and the grace of God in his life, he was done for. His report card was so messed up that he could not possibly stand before God. The only chance he had was God's grace and God's mercy. So if we're giving him a spiritual report card, let's, let's be real. He got an F. He did terrible. So where is Jesus going with this? Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the man who's failing his spiritual report card, who's crying out to God, who can't even look to heaven, who's beating his breast, who is completely unworthy, this guy, this guy, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is teaching us something really important in this parable, and I don't want you to miss this today. This is why I've been in tears for, for a day now. See, we, I said earlier, the Pharisees, it seems to us at first, the Pharisees' biggest problem is that he's judging others. Like, if you read that scripture quickly through, you would think that his biggest crime is that he's judging the people around him. That's not real nice. I mean, he's praying, that's good. He's thanking God, that's good. He's morally right, that's good. He's religiously right, that's good. But, but he's being kind of a jerk, right? That wasn't his biggest problem. In fact, that was a symptom of his biggest problem. The problem was this. The Pharisee's focus was on who he was and what he had accomplished. The Pharisee's focus was on all of this. Thank you, God, for how great you have made me. Thank you, God, for my spiritual report card. Thank you, God, for these medals that I've earned 
because of you. Thank you, God, I'm pretty great. The tax collector's focus was on his complete unworthiness and what God could accomplish. Did you see the difference there? The Pharisee was focused on what, who he was and what he had accomplished. The tax collector was focused on who God was and what God could accomplish. And so the Pharisee, because of his self-righteousness, because of his focus on how good he was, looked down on others. He felt that God owed him something. These are the symptoms of self-righteousness. You will judge others. You will look down on others. You will feel like God owes you something. In fact, I'm going to go a little bit over my time. I'm sorry. But when I was in high school, I prayed a prayer very similar to this prayer that the Pharisee prayed. I grew up, I was a pretty good kid. My spiritual report card was was pretty, pretty good. I, was, I wasn't a 99 or anything, but I, I was doing okay. And I remember that there were days, in fact, I found a letter last night that my dad had written to me and clearly I was going through a tough time. There were days that I thought in my head, God, why is this happening to me? I'm so much better than those guys. Yeah, yeah, I mess up occasionally, but I don't go do drugs, and I don't go party, and I don't do all that bad stuff. God, why is this happening to me? I'm not even, I'm being really honest with you today. That I prayed a very similar prayer to this, and I was caught up in all of this, and I looked down on others, and I felt like God owed me something because of this stuff. The Pharisee came in full, medals around his neck. I mean, this, not literally, but medals around his neck, a high report card, all these achievements. He came in full of himself. How did he leave? He left empty. See, this is what we need to get today. Nothing that we can do is enough to justify us before God. Hear that again. Nothing we can do, no medal, no spiritual report card, nothing we can do. I don't care if you have a 99 out of 100 on your spiritual report card. The reality is this. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. So if you have ever sinned, you deserve death. You cannot be justified in yourself. Nothing you can do is enough to justify you. But here's the good news. Only what he has done can justify you and save you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we, so that in him, don't miss those words, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is why I've been in tears. Because even though I prayed a prayer similar to this Pharisee, and even though I have plenty of things in my life that are messed up and not honoring God, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, who had a perfect report card, who deserved life. God made him who had no sin to be sin, to go to a cross, to die on a cross, so that we in him might become righteous. 
Don't miss that. I, I missed it. Those two words, in him. Here's how this works. Take your report card. Look at it. Here's my report card from 97, 98. Take out your spiritual report card. It's on your phone, in your book. No matter what number is on that report card, and no matter how hard you try, you cannot get that grade high enough to be saved and justified by God. But because God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that we in him might become, you know what that says? That says I can take this report card and I can trade it in for the report card of Jesus, the perfect one, the spotless one, the one that is worthy, that deserves eternal life. It says we need to take these things and we gotta trade them in. I don't care if you got a 98 or you've got a 22, you gotta trade it in because the only way you can have life eternal, the only way you can be justified and saved is to have the report card of Christ, which is given to us. Paul in Philippians chapter three, verses eight through nine. He's just listed off, he's rattled off his accomplishments. He says, I, I was, you know, one of the most spiritual people. I've done all these things. And, and in verse eight and nine, he says this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I thought about bringing a trash can and just throwing all this stuff in it, but I, I didn't want, you know, Nazarenes to be mad at me for throwing the Phineas F. Brzee Award in it. Paul says, I consider these things, the medals, the report card, I consider all of it to be garbage compared to knowing Christ, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Remember those words from the last scripture? Be found where? In him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What Paul is saying is even though his spiritual report card is pretty good, he considers it garbage because the only thing that can give him salvation and justification is Christ. Here's the thing, the, the Pharisee came in full and he left empty and that seems pretty harsh. But there is such good news here that no matter where you are, the tax collector was the lowest of the low. He came in empty and he left full. When we come to Jesus with nothing, Jesus gives us everything. That's the good news today. Listen, this is such an important message. This is such an important scripture. Because it's not just about trying to be good at religion. It's not just about trying to be good at church. Being saved, being justified before God has nothing to do with what we can do. But God loves you so much 
that he made Jesus, the one who had no sin, the one that was perfect, to be sin, to go to a cross and to die so that in him we could have life. Maybe some of you today identify a little bit more with the Pharisee. Maybe there are some of you that would say, hey, I've, I've gotten a little bit off track and I've started to wear some medals around my neck and I've started to feel pretty good about myself spiritually. Listen, I got good news for you. Even though I thought like the Pharisee at one time, even though at times I've become righteous in myself, I have the opportunity today to exchange my report card for Christ. Maybe some of you here today relate better with the tax collector. I think most of us want to relate better with the tax collector because he gets the good stuff in the end, but the, maybe some of you really do relate with the tax collector. Maybe you're in a place where you say, I am a filthy person and I've blown it time and again and I don't even deserve to be in God's church today. I've got good news for you. You can trade in that filthy report card and you can have the report card of Christ and have eternal life. Listen, this is everything. Do not walk out of here today Do not walk out of here today with your report card in your hand thinking that you're going to make it. You won't. It won't happen. Do not walk out of here today feeling like a loser that nobody loves. The God of the universe loves each and every one of us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and give us life. So as the worship team comes up, we're going we're gonna to play one more song. And I just want to invite all of you to experience the salvation and justification of Christ today. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how good you think you've been. Today it's simple. We need to fall on our knees. We need to cry out to God. and We need to say, God, have mercy on us. We are sinners if we'll do that we can walk away justified Lord we thank you for the opportunity to worship you today together I thank you for your word I thank you for this story I thank you for all of these great people in this room I thank you for all the good that's been done in, by the people in this room. I thank you for the work you've done in our lives. But Lord, help us not to get caught up in who we are. Help us to look to you, to fully surrender and rely on you. Lord, help each and every one. If there's someone in here that has never, has never felt worthy, that knows that they have no chance Without you, Lord, my prayer is that each and every one of us would offer you everything we have, the good, the bad, the ugly, and that you would give us justification and salvation and life in Jesus' name. Listen, as we play this last song and as we sing it, I want you to take some time and I want you to open up that journal or the book, whatever it is you want, 
And I want you to start writing or thinking about what is God saying to you? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to trade? What, how can you completely surrender? I want you to think about that as we sing this song. And then I want us, we're going to close it with a song, I Surrender All. I want each and every person in here to walk away knowing that we have surrendered everything to Christ and to walk out of here fully justified before God.